Oh, all right, all right, all right. The presence wasn't here before, it's here now. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <sighs> Words have power. And language allows us to classify and order our world. What we name or call something or someone instills in it the beliefs we hold about and the power and the authority that we give to that name. Yet our words, our, our language have implicit biases built into it. Don't believe me? Let's do a, a, a little exercise. Okay. When I say Lord and Lady, which of the two do you give more power to? If I say Master and Madam, When I say she is the madam of the house or she is the lady of the evening, where does your mind go? But if I say he is the master of the house and he is the gentleman of the evening, did your mind shift from sex and prostitution to perhaps property and authority? Same kind of thing happens when we say king and queen because these two titles hold the exact same authority. But we tend to believe that king is above queen. Do you notice the biases we have? We've been trained to Think less of women and girls than we have of men and boys. Masculine is better than feminine. That's the bill of goods we've been sold. Our language is male-dominated and female-abusing. These few examples show a profound devaluing of words associated with women. So, should it be a surprise to us that the feminine aspects of God have been altered to the point that they are no longer recognizable even when they are blatantly feminine? Amen. I'll give you an example. Psalm 123.2. It says, As the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, until he has mercy on us. See so here the, the psalmist is comparing God to a woman. Yet we have no hymns, no songs of praising God as our mistress. If I ask us to close our eyes and visualize God, most of us would imagine something like this. God is male, older, and more than likely white. And why wouldn't it be? Because this is the image of God that we received in our Sunday school classes. 
It was the one that was hanging up above our pastor's head in sanctuary when we went to church next to the brown-haired, blue-eyed, glowing Jesus. You, you, that was your church, I could tell. <laughs> now, if you were African-American, though, you also had the JFK-MLK combo picture that was hanging on the other side. Am I telling the truth? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and if you are um, a person of a certain age, not only your pastor, but all of the leaders in your church tended to be male as well. And the sermons we heard regularly demeaned women and lifted up the men. You see, it was Eve who was the reason that we were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. It was Ruth who was the whore who seduced Boaz. It was Bathsheba flaunting herself to David. And on and on and on it goes. So why in the world would we even think to call God mother or to speak of God in the feminine? I've heard, you know, after all, the Bible never refers to God as a woman or in feminine terms, Reverend Vicki. And, and as you know, that's true because my pastor never, ever preached on anything feminine. So it must not be in the Bible. <laughs> I, I've heard, well, I understand what you're thinking, Reverend Vicki. Uh, but if Jesus wanted us to call God mother, then he would have told us. And, and, and he didn't refer to God as mother or actually God in any kind of feminine ways either. Because my childhood pastor told me so. I've heard, well... We all know that God himself has chosen fatherhood as the way we are to think of him. So, Ravi, why are you bringing up that strange idea of God as mother? Unless you're trying to just be politically correct with that all inclusive language kind of stuff and, and not paying attention to what the Bible says. Well, it's because we take the Bible seriously as the divinely inspired word of God, that we must speak of God as both mother and father and beyond gender. It is because we take the Bible and your spiritual journey seriously that we must address God in the feminine and at least teach you what the Bible actually says about God's feminine attributes. There is widespread agreement among Christian theologians that God transcends gender. But our pronouns speak louder than our theology. Why would anyone believe us when we say that God both encompasses male and female aspects if we preach and teach and sing songs that only refer to God as male? Granted, in MCC, we do a little bit better job, but what we tend to do is to speak of God only in gender-neutral terms, never the God in feminine terms. When we don't preach and teach 
on the feminine aspects of God, we consciously dishonor God and God's creation that is female. We don't preach and teach on Shekinah and El Shaddai and Sophia and Ezer and Womb and Breasted One. We reiterate to our women and our girls that they are not made in the image and the likeness of God. We consciously reiterate that men and boys are more godlike. Imagine if our congregation was 50% African American and all the visuals we showed in our advertising and during worship were of people who were white. And the rationale that we used was simply that we are using pictures that show the breadth of humanity. What would that say to those who are African American? What if 50% of our congregation spoke Spanish? And all we used during our worship service, in our advertising, in our printed material, was in English. How would that be honoring the divine within our siblings who the first, second, or maybe third language is Spanish? Our congregation is 50% female. So we must begin to lift the hundreds and hundreds of verses that speak of God's femininity and fluidity if we are to honor God in God's totality. We're comfortable with metaphors for God such as guide and shepherd and shield and rock and tower and fortress and hiding place. So we have to ask ourselves, why are we so uncomfortable with God as mistress? Seamstress, homemaker, helper, breasted one, womb, and mother. The series is not about asking you to change how you address God in your private devotional life. Because it's just that, it's your private devotional life and how you know God and how you address God is between you and God. But what we have to do is teach you about the breath of who God is and how you can experience God. And maybe, just maybe, it will open up the meaning of how you address God in a more meaningful way. So I share with you today about Shekinah, the glory of God. She appears defeminized in so many of our scriptures. She is the darkness that illuminated the world before the sun and the moon were shown. She walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. She ratified the Abrahamic covenant. She descended upon Mount Sinai at the giving of the law. And she filled the tabernacle in the wilderness. She filled Solomon's temple on dedication day. And she overshadowed Mary at the conception of Jesus. She is said to have returned to the second temple in the form of the incarnation of the Messiah, Jesus, the Shekinah embodied. She appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration and to Paul on the road to Damascus. And she has promised 
that she will return to the millennial temple and will illuminate the entire new Jerusalem. And if you don't believe me, I can give you the scriptures to back it up. So as we enter today's scripture, we find Moses and the Israelites just after they have destroyed the golden calf. They have experienced God as father, as warrior, as defender, as they crossed over the sea. They have experienced God as mother and caregiver and provider as manna came from heaven and quail gathered for them to eat. And they recognized God as Shekinah, the feminine aspect of God, God's glory in the cloud, over, in the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night that abiding feminine presence who had led them out of Egypt and was with them in their journey as they wandered towards the promised land. What is rich about this passage of Scripture is that it provides for us a glimpse of God's desire to be in relationship with us. She wants to know us, and she wants to be known by us. She makes herself vulnerable to the pain that ensues when her relationship with the people she loves is betrayed through that building of the calf. Yet she maintains communication, intimate communication with Moses and her people by being vulnerable enough to want to talk face to face. Moses models for us our part of an authentic human and divine communication. It's a prayer that is not afraid to boldly approach God and to hold her to her promises to be with her people, even when we make mistakes. Moses models prayer that's not afraid to appeal to God's love for her people. She has, he has the audacity to go face to face to communicate with God. God desires an intimate relationship with us. God calls us friend. And God promised Moses that she would indeed continue to abide with the Israelites throughout their long wilderness journey. That's the kind of relationship that my mother has with God, with Shekinah. She approaches God boldly as a friend. If mom has taught me nothing else in this life, she has taught me to boldly approach God and ask for what I need. Mom not only boldly approaches God with her needs, she stays in the conversation like Moses until she receives her answer and then one to her liking. You see, we recently found out that my mother has stage three lung cancer. And her prognosis is not the best. But like Moses, she has pitched her tent 
and has sought Shekinah's glory face to face. Mm. And like Moses, her prayer has been twofold. She has sought God's face for those she loves. She has asked Shekinah to journey with us as we go through this journey in, in our lives. Mom taught me how to pray, so I know how tenacious she can be in prayer. She shared with me that she has secured God's promise to stay near us, to abide with us, to dwell among us, and to be our friend and companion through these next steps of our life. And secondly, she has obtained an assurance that someday soon she will see Shekinah's glory face to face. Shekinah and mom have spoken woman to woman, sister to sister, mother to mother, heart to heart. And that gives me much comfort. Sometimes you know, we need a God who is a mother to us, who will comfort us when we need to be comforted. Who will allow us to put our heads in her lap. Who will stroke our hair and say, all is well. So it is crucial that we teach and preach and write songs and sing them of the loving kindness that can only be understood in the softness of an ideal mother and the discussions of a true best friend. And we must speak of God's glory Shekinah, so that all can know that there is a God who desires to be in an intimate relationship with us, who wants to call us friend, who wants to be known by us and who wants to know us. And to her be the glory. <laughs>